electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people tonight, friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We still haven't gotten closure on this regional banking crisis. We don't know if the jobs market is going to take a major hit tomorrow. We're unclear on how much the Federal Reserve has accomplished in its war on inflation. Yet everybody seems sure that the Fed needs to keep jamming up rates in order to cool down a massively overheated economy. I'm calling it an unholy situation. Even though today it was all right, Dow inching up three points, S&P advancing 0.36%, NASDAQ strangely gaining 0.76%. Don't worry, we'll explain it. It's tomorrow that's important. Because tomorrow may be the day when we get the first clearly soft employment number. And if that's how it goes, and we're going to start worrying about whether the Fed will keep pressing its anti-inflation bet at the same time as the economy slowing, well, that's going to cause a lot of problems. So why don't we do this? Let's go to our game plan for next week, which starts actually with tomorrow's labor report. Remember, we're not here tomorrow because the market can't process that data until Monday. Wall Street's expecting about 230,000 jobs created, but what, what, what if there aren't any new net jobs away from services, from travel and entertainment? That would be a clarion call that there's a real slowdown coming. So you need to know that Monday will be all about picking apart tomorrow's non-farm payroll numbers. At the same time, we're in a moment where everyone's frightened and they're all worried there'll be another bank failure or maybe at least a shotgun wedding style merger to prevent one of these troubled regionals from going under. You know what? I, at this point, I'm actually be surprised if none of them fail. I mean, I don't know. Troubled ones went out strong today. But we must wonder if commercial real estate issues and uninsured depositors and bountiful short-term treasury rates make exiting a bank to the sidelines compelling. Who wants to keep money in a place where you have to keep checking to see if it's doing well? Not me, not you. Which brings me to how this slowdown story will impact your portfolio. When the economy slows, the big money doesn't leave the table. It just shifts into a different sector. Right now, I see lots of money flowing back into tech because tech stocks tend to outperform in a normal slowdown without much inflation. It won't be all of tech, though. It'll be anything touching artificial intelligence or tech firms that help businesses replace expensive workers with cheaper software in a relentless drive for efficiency. 
efficiency. That's the word Mark Zuckerberg fixated on when he decided to call nearly a quarter of Meta's workforce not that long ago. Most tech companies, particularly the arrogant, once-loved, now-despised, fat-and-happy enterprise software plays, only know how to hire and then hire some more and then delve out huge gobs of stock to everyone and anyone. Zuckerberg recognized early on that the economy was slowed down. He ain't doing that. He was the first to aggressively trim the bloat. Now Meta's sales are going higher. Instagram up 300 basis points. Its costs are going down. So no wonder that stock seems unstoppable since he started firing people in and dropped off the front pages in terms of other stuff that where people are like, him. That's, that's history. So I expect to see a lot of tech stocks going higher in a banking crisis. Lower loan environment, that suits them. Just look at what happened the week that Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Tech became must-own, and it's only growth growing stronger. And now we understand that the next-gen startups will be still born because they can't raise money in the stock market, which won't allow IPOs. That's even better for the incumbents. I see their stocks thriving, especially if they have an A. I kicker. Tuesday morning, we get results from CarMax, one of the largest car dealers in the country. I bet there's still plenty of demand, but you can't expect them to do well with the cost of financing double what it was a year ago. The year-over-year compares will be horrible. Fed wants to hear that used car prices are plumbing. They're not going to get the wish. We also hear from Albertsons, which is trying to merge with Kroger. Ah. Uh. I don't know about that, but I do know I want to hear about inflation. Has any food stuff, has any aisle, anything going down year over year? I got to know that. You got to know that. And I don't see it so far. Here's a treat. We have two Fed speakers who are both very, very outspoken and in a good way. Neil Kashkari and Austin Goolsby, because rational, logical, not fiery, not dogmatic, and they are well aware of what could happen if the Fed keeps tightening into a downturn. Could be a nice counterpoint to what we heard on Wednesday when we get the meetings of the last Fed meeting. They're starting to, they got to start thinking, they got to be a little more flexible. Wednesday morning, we get the March Consumer Price Index numbers. I think they'll run okay, not great. Last night, we heard from ConAgra, classic pantry and freezer section play with a snack kicker. And CEO Sean Connolly went out of his way to explain there's still plenty of inflation. But he managed to stay ahead of the posse. The Fed's job won't be done until we start hearing the word deflation. And we are definitely not hearing that word right now. Another good reason to buy a year of efficiency tech stocks. We've also got a huge oil event Wednesday. One of the most coherent and best outlooks always comes from ConocoPhillips. They're having an analyst meeting. I like their vision. I like their worldview. I bet they start talking about stepping up exploration production with crude above 80. There's another meeting that could produce some real fireworks. It's the Warner Brothers Discovery. Discovery meeting. They're hosting a streaming productivity press event. If this meeting had been held a few months ago, there would be nothing but tears. Now it's all about efficiency there, too. And I think the term will be well received. The media is fascinated by CEO David Zaslav, who's a colorful character. I expect him to make a good impression. Might want to buy some of that stock ahead of time. Thursday morning, we get the producer price index. I think you'll hear the producer price prices are starting to head down. All right. There may be even some pressure on, on some of the companies who buy these things to roll them back. So many have raised prices in anticipation of higher costs that maybe won't materialize, judging from this report. This number may cause the Fed to wonder if they're being maybe, uh, uh, let's say, too aggressive because they're winning in the war against inflation. We'll have to see. Earnings season kicks off. Thursday with Delta Airlines. I worry the airlines haven't been able to capture all the profits they should be reaping. 
Look, we all know every time we go on a plane, it's full, right? But if there's anybody that can do it, I think it might be Delta. And then finally, here we go. After Delta, the deluge. Wells Fargo, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, all report at once. I predict Wells will have a very strong number. Nice upgrade today, this morning. Good loan loss reserves and a safe bond portfolio. J.P. Morgan will be, of course, it's always a winner. And I don't know, at 127, 128, 129, maybe it even makes you money. Uh, it's certainly the safest place to put your deposit. Should make up for the lack of investment bank business. As for Citigroup, I find this situation quizzical. Their tangible book is much greater than their stock price. We have to find out what that's about. I do hope they address it. It's nearly double the stock price. Something is wrong there. I want to know what's wrong. Now, uh, we get results also from BlackRock. This could be a good number, but inflows might be just so-so. That said, I'd be a buyer of this one if it comes down because the asset managers know a compelling long-term winner. It's also got great software. Then there's United Health, which might be the most consistent beat and raise company in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This is a stock I would buy ahead of the quarter if it comes down because of all these things that we hear early on. The government releases aggregate retail sales on Friday, too. I think that's going to support my... I can't believe I came up with this long, long on money, short on time thesis, which means people will buy less stuff, but spend more on services, largely travel and leisure. Bottom line, earnings season will be a tale of two tapes, a slowdown generated by bank issues in one tape and decent earnings, particularly from tech in the other. That should prove to be the best sector this earnings season because, alas, tech's exactly what you buy at this point in a Fed induced slowdown. But I'm begging Please, please, only buy the most efficiently managed tech companies because this is the year of efficiency, which I know isn't as much fun as the year of magical thinking. But it reads a heck of a lot better for your portfolio. Paul in Minnesota. Paul. Hey, Jim. I'm a club member, and today I'm calling about a company that is one of my biggest holdings. This company has a fantastic balance sheet, a diverse business portfolio, continued growth in cloud computing, is expanding their gaming business while also adding AI capabilities to their software and services via their $10 billion investment in ChatGPT. Jim, should I continue to bet my family farm on Microsoft? Happy Easter. And I think Microsoft, it, while not an inexpensive stock, and first, first Paul, thank you for joining the club. We write endlessly about these. People should join. I know that sounds like a hard sale. I don't know. I'm spending so much time on it. Believe me, I'm going to let you down. But here's the deal. I think that my, Microsoft is actually a consistent stock that people want to own. Uh, it was up for a great deal so far, and I think it's going to continue to go up. Why shouldn't that hit an all new? I, I think it's going to hit a new high. Let's go to John in New York. John. What's up, Jim? Oh, how much have you, John? What's going on? Second time talking to you in two months. I feel like we're becoming friends. There you go. We're, we're probably neighbors, oh. too. Who knows? What's, what's happening? Yeah, what, what do you think about Qualcomm? Uh, I don't like Qualcomm. Uh, I feel like, as I've been saying, it's, I own it for the Chapel Trust. I made a mistake. I got too enthusiastic. I called it boyish enthusiasm, and I regret that. We are hoping it goes above 130 so that we can sell the stock and own more of other stocks that we like a lot more. Let's go to Greg in my home state of New Jersey. Greg. Hi, Jim Booyah. This is Greg Booyah. from Wildwood. This is Greg from Wildwood Crest, home of the most fantastic yeah. beaches oh in the East God. Coast. Oh, my God. I met a guy who's making a development in Wildwood Crest on a, on a plane. That place has come back. I mean, I, look, I, I am a Summers Point guy from way back, but you've got, you have it going there. What's happening? My stock is J&J Snack Food, ticker JJSF, a local South Jersey company that makes a wide I variety of I know them well. I know JJ Snack well. My uncle did a lot of business with them, and i got to tell you, it's a winner. I've always liked it. Can't believe it's still independent. Why someone hasn't bought them? Because, oh, doctor, is that a good $3 billion company? Let's take one more. Let's go to Andrew in Alabama. Andrew. 
Andrew. Yes. You're up. All righty. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. How about you, Andrew? I'm doing good. Um, I got a quick question about IBM. Um, what do you think as far as going into Q2? Do you think it's, it's going to be a show me situation? More- we need blowout numbers from IBM. I'm not talking about a manufacturer surprise. I am talking about a top line number that is just wow. We need a wow from IBM. We've not gotten a wow yet. I want a wow. What is it? Am I clear about what I want? Wow. This upcoming earnings season will be a tale of two tapes, a slowdown generated by bank issues in one tape and decent earnings in the other, especially from tech, including, of course, AI. Man, money time. Last week, I handed in my homework on Bontier. And you know what? We like this story. So we're going to sit down with the CEO to hear directly from the company on what could be on the horizon. And Constellation Brands popped on earnings, but I know their sellers are over the place. Sellers, listen to me. You don't know what you're talking about. Stay tuned for the segment. And then Levi's plummeted on the quarterly report and CEO transition. Imminent, what do you do with this $15 stock? Well, I wouldn't miss my exclusive. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. For 18 years, I've been saying it, now 19. We've got the smartest audience in all basic cable. Every night, we open up the phone line to take questions, and every now and then, you give us some really great ideas. Last Friday, we caught up with one of there's an industrial technology company called Vontier. This is a spinoff of a spinoff. Used to be part of Fordham. Used to be part of Kramer Fame Danner. We own Big That Charitable Trust. I told you there was a lot to like here. Turns out Vontier's management saw a breakdown when they don't want to really give you a chance to learn more. And that's, we can certainly not teach as well as the company. So we have Mark Morelli. President and CEO of Vontier, to learn more about the story. Mr. Morelli, welcome to Mad Money. Yeah, great. Thanks for having us. We're oh, we're really absolutely thrilled here. to have you. Uh, we are always looking for 
things that go bridge the transition from internal combustion to EV. There are a lot of companies that lose a lot of money. That are flop, I don't call them flop up, but they've been invented to be able to take advantage of federal subsidies that really are just what I regard as money losers forever. You are the exact opposite. You're a real company in making real money in this business. I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. Jim, look, I think that's the thing that people really miss and they don't understand with our story. And, and your viewers touch our products every day. Whether you're at a convenience store, 250,000 convenience stores, not only do we re- refueling hardware and software, but also the convenience store software. And we're the number one seller of control systems for car washes in the United States, which is a huge growing segment as well. And then when you talk about alternative energy, we are already the number one dispenser of compressed natural gas for fleets, and we're into electric charging. We've got 35,000 plugs under management. Not only that, fleet management is a big category for us. We have half a million fleets under management too. So we have the operating system software. We power the mobility ecosystem. Okay. And so we're very, very excited for well, folks it, to see that. This is why, for instance, people want hydrogen. Now, there's a company I'm not going to mention. used to come on all the time. that presented itself as the hydrogen fuel cell company, and the stock went from 35 to 9. That's not what I'm looking for. If we do hydrogen in this country, it will be you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because compressed natural gas is a stepping stone for hydrogen. Right. You have to be able to dispense at high temperature. You've got a lot of regulations. You've got a lot of safety issues. There's real technology barriers to doing that well. Our customers have pulled us into that space because of demand. And Europe already is beginning to adopt this infrastructure. So not only do we have a right to play, we have a right to win. So, okay, so I see more and more tech in your company. More, we've always looked for these companies that, wow, they're digitizing. That's you. Absolutely. You know, we love connected hardware, but more and more we're doing workflow software and we're managing and scaling what we call the mobility ecosystem. That's what everything is touched by the roadway. All these data points are out there. Let me give you a story or an example, because you look at what's happened in the Nordics and in Europe, you know, they're leaders in electric charging infrastructure and the right. build out of that. And that what's really compelling is we go out, we do strategy work, we spend time in the Nordics because 80% of all the vehicles sold are electric vehicles. The car parks already, the, the fleet of vehicles on the road are already So you already studied 20%. them in order to be able to make it so you're ready? We study them. Not only that, we have 75% of all electric charging networks in the Nordics under management today. And that's a scaling opportunity when it comes to the United States. And you know what? These mobility hubs, these convenience stores, they've got better food choices. They've got places you want to spend time at. And, you know, if you're, if you're charging your vehicle, you want to go in somewhere. Right. You know, and right, so that right. kind of infrastructure, these mobility hubs are building out. So where are you in terms of penetration in this country? When I look at, we were running video while you were talking, which showed you basically what some people would just call a truck stop, but to me is now a truck tech hub. That's How right. many of them are you in? How many more of the interstates would you be able to put up something like this where we do all this great stuff? Yeah, we're highly penetrated. Okay. We're, we're the number one seller of, of, of retail fueling equipment, and we're the number two seller of point-of-sale software in the United States. We're the number one seller of, of uh, car wash solutions. And so the electric charging network is at its infancy, but companies like EVGo right. use our software. And you think about fleets and the opportunities of fleets. Look, you know, we all know with COVID, fleet management delivers everything to our home. 
we have the software that enables fleets and fleet management as well. So all of this, we, we have a big stake already in the mobility ecosystem. But we haven't even talked about repair solutions. You, yeah. You've got a, a terrific growth, growth Matco, that people see in the trucks. Uh, it's, it, I don't even know if you have enough money to be able to, to build that out at the same time, but that's another touch. You know, Matco has been part of the franchise for a long time. Right. And we have a tremendous brand with Matco. We're the number two seller of, of tools to technicians and auto shops. And the reason why we love that business is that the complexity of repair, because we're talking about energy transition. You know, right. we're at this incredible moment in time where the complexity of everything's going up because of this massive energy transformation and mobility's changing more in the next 10 years than all of our lifetime. But it's difficult to repair these vehicles. Right. And as they are more and more of them are on the road, you have more of an age fleet, you have more sensors, we'll car more diagnostics. Repairs are more complicated. A business like Matco has very high vitality. What that means is every year they bring about 25% of products new to market every year. So they solve the high problems that auto techs have. And that's exactly what's happening to the fleet of vehicles out there. It's more complex, Jim. Right, well, one last question. You mentioned point of sale. There was a moment where everybody was involved in the restaurant business. They came public point of sale. Their valuations were insane. I had a restaurant. I was ripping those systems out, putting them in, ripping them out. I mean, your valuation uh, is giving no credit to your point of sale whatsoever. How, do you ch- how does a CEO who's busy running the company on a day-to-day basis actually get to show people how much this company's really worth. Yeah, I think the, uh, what we've done in the last two weeks is we've resegmented the business. Okay. And we wanted to offer transparency to investors so they can actually see our environmental fueling business. They can see our repair solutions and they can see our mobility technologies business already at scale. So when they see and understand that, hey, this is almost a billion dollar business, right. High recurring revenue, high margins already. It's not like we're talking about a future that doesn't exist. No, it's already momentum into these. And we're, we're leveraging our positions from strength. So I think with that segmentation is going to help. Jeff. Well, I am going to do this during our lightning round when people call about these companies that are losing money, losing money. But they're so excited about the transition. I'm just going to save on tier. I appreciate that. It's very easy to do. That's Mark Morelli's president and CEO of Bontier. I like this kind of company. They have money back in the Coming up, this round's on me. A dividend boost has investors raising a glass to this stock. Kramer pulls up a stool. Next. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's it going to take for the stock of Constellation Brands, giant brewer, to get its groove back? This blues company's a charitable trust name has been for a long time, but it's been held back by all sorts of distractions like huge stock sales from the company's founders and changes in the way it accounts for its ill-fated investment in cannabis growth, the Canadian can- cannabis outfit that they took a big stake in in the previous era. I've stuck with Constellation because I'm a big believer in the core business, especially their Mexican beer brands, Corona, Modelo, Pacifico. Now, this morning, Constellation reported a very solid set of numbers higher than expected beer depletions, making up for a small revenue miss, and the company ultimately delivering a 15-cent earnings beat of $1.83 basis. And that beat was even bigger if you back out the losses from the canopy investment. At the same time, management gave a pretty good forecast, sounded optimistic about the beer business. What's not to like about that, even as the wine and spirit segment isn't doing all that well. That's why the stock had rallied more than 3 bucks today, but it's still a long way from last year's highs. And I kind of wonder whether this is incredibly undervalued. Let's see if we can keep rebounding. Let's go deeper with Bill Newlands. He's the president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Find out more about the quarter and what happens next. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. All right, so Bill, you saw the nice acceleration that we've been looking for. It's obvious that on-premises is doing incredibly well. Can we have a consistent runway back to where we have to just expect that you guys are just going to beat quarter, beat quarter, beat quarter, because of both on-prem and also in the store? We're certainly starting to see some of that uh, behavior, Jim. Uh, as you know, uh, on-premise is finally getting back to something close to what we saw before the pandemic. And it really gives us a lot of opportunity because we, have a, we can really improve our position in draft. And we're spending a lot of time making sure that that's going to happen. Uh, and we, we certainly are excited by the resiliency of our brands. So talk to me about where Modelo can go, especially. I mean, to me, you're still not... You, most beers are everywhere, Bill. You're very few locations yet. You've got, I am sure, a roadmap that can make it so new place, new place, new place. Where two, three years from now could you be? I'll give you a perfect example. When I spoke at Cagney just six weeks ago, we only had two markets, California and Nevada, where we had a double-digit share, despite the fact that we were the second largest beer in dollars in the U.S. Even today, we're two markets more. Uh, Texas and, and, and New Jersey join California and Nevada. So despite the fact that, that we are such a huge player, the upside is tremendous. And, and we're planning to go get it. I mean, Texas, Florida, these are my liquor neighborhoods. I know where the money's spent. I mean, those could be gigantic for you. They can. In fact, they're off to a very good start this year. Both of those markets are up double digits, as is New York, to start our new fiscal year. So we're very excited about the runway for this coming year. 
Now, I happen to love your wines, but I'm beginning to wonder, I mean, is at a certain point we just say, you know what, we're going to be the best beer company on earth and we don't necessarily need spirits? We still think that the wine business is, is doing great things to transform itself. Uh, the business today is much more driven by the high end. In fact, it's about 20% more of the business is driven by the high end than what it just was a few years ago. We've also done very well with things like Betterment. Kim Crawford Illuminate and Naomi Bright are, are two examples of lower cal products that are really beginning to dominate in their sectors. So we still believe that the wine business can be a very important part of the overall business. Right, I want to talk about wellness for a second. I see that there's a level in the system right now where dry January actually did turn out to be a little more dry February than I thought. I mean, do you think there's any secular change? Because I know you've got a non-alcohol drink that is selling so well, and it makes me think maybe there's a new cohort that says, I want, I, I, I want the taste. I don't, I don't want to get hammered. We're seeing more and more that, that people are interested in Betterment. Uh, and that's why we're doing things like Kim Crawford Illuminate, Naomi Bright. We're doing Modelo Oral, which is one of our new introductions this year, um, and Corona Non-Alcoholic. So we're, we're positioning ourselves for those individuals who want to do that, uh, that they can come with us and, and be part of our brand franchise. All right, so Bill, you uh, did uh, something that I know all of us shareholders is a big position by Travel Trust. Welcome, which is the rearrangement of the of the two classes. We wanted one class, and we love the sand. We love Mr. Sands, but it's also a good thing to move on and and to have a, a better executive uh, pay package, so to speak. When do we make it so that there's so little debt that you can just really go on the offensive? Because I know you raised that dividend more than I expected. I thought that was the beginning of a new sign of returning capital shareholders. Well, as you probably know, we, we, we returned more than $5 billion. We said we would do $5 billion. By the end of last year, we actually did $5.4 billion, including some opportunistic buys. After the last quarter, we bought $300 million of stock back in Q4 of last year. Uh, but, but our capital allocation priorities have been quite clear. We want our debt to be right. We want to return money to shareholders. We want to invest in our beer business. And we want to stay investment grade. And in the position that we're in today, uh, it puts us in position to do all of those things because this is a very cash-generative business. All right, so uh, I, you know I'm for Chapel Trust, I have a giant position, and Jeff Marks works with me in the, on the portfolio. We both saw the numbers, and we said, hey, these are great numbers, but there just seems to be ennui to the category. People just don't seem to want to pay up. Molson's had decent numbers. They're not paying up for those. And I'm trying to figure out, is there some sort of newfound aversion? Why is your stock, every CEO wants their stock much higher, but I can see your stock be at 270, 280, and it would make just as much sense as 220. I am confused about what's happening here. I think you're right, and I think it should be at those numbers. When you look at the consistent growth profile that we put up with exceptional margins, best-of-class margins, and you recognize that four out of the last six years, we were the number one CPG growth company, uh, we certainly feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find a better investment than ours, particularly at the prices where we are today. Are you ready for a giant second of mile if, you, if, if it looks like we're going to have one? Absolutely. I think we're ready on our beer business. We're ready in our tequila business. And uh, we think the consumer is going to have a great time during Cinco. Was it a, a, would you consider this to be the breakout quarter for Pacifico? It's been good the whole time. But to me, it looks like Pacifico could become a number two or three in this country. No question. Pacifico had a great year last year. We were up 30%. I mean, think about that. 
you know, it's already the number six beer in the state of California. And, and the upside is immense. Uh, we, we call that one of our emerging brands, but uh, it's well on its way to being such a critical part of our future success. Well, I think, Bill, a lot of people are looking for good stocks that are not at their high. And I think we have one right here with Constellation Brands. Bill Newlands, thank you so much. President and CEO of Constellation Brands. Good to see you, sir, as always. Thanks, Jim. You too. And we'll be back after the break. Coming up, with a change at the top imminent, should investors zip away from this stock? Or is Levi Strauss rugged enough to survive an indigo dip? More next. All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of the storied brand, which is Levi Strauss and Company? This morning, the iconic jeans maker reported what should look like a solid quarter, better than expected sales, better than expected earnings. Yet the stock plunged 16%. Why? Well, whenever you see good results in a lower stock, the culprit's almost always the forecast. In the case of Levi's, they did lower their full-year gross margin outlook substantially. While management left their earnings guidance unchanged, well, that was only because they were being bolstered by a lower-than-anticipated tax rate. On top of that, the forecast for the current quarter was discouraging, with Levi's talking about a high single-digit to low double-digit decline in sales. Management's adamant that things are going to get better in the second half, but that's an ugly number. we got to accept that. But did the stock deserve the decline 16%? Maybe an overreaction? Let's check in with Chip Berg, the president and CEO of Levi Strauss. You get a better read on the situation. Mr. Berg, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, good to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Chip, why don't we do this? Let's start start at the highest level. Can you give us just a kind of an update on the brand itself and where the, the denim business is in the face, both, you know, both domestic and internationally, in your mind? Sure. Well, um, first of all, the brand is really, really healthy. Um, the Levi's brand was up 9% in constant currency this quarter. Uh, we grew on men's and women's. Men's bottoms were up 9%. Women's bottoms up 18%. We grew share during this period. Uh, we get quarterly share here in the U.S. We are the market leader with the critical 18 to 30-year-old. Uh, and in the U.S., on both a past 12-month and a past three-month basis, we're growing share on women's. We're knocking on the door of being the share leader here in the U.S. We, we were number three when I joined the company. Uh, over a decade ago. So we're really knocking on the door of being market leader there. So the Levi's brand is really, really strong. And, and probably the best proof point of that is our, our direct-to-consumer business. Our retail stores um, were up 16% this quarter globally. Comp store growth was positive in every region of the world. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the brand is really resonating. The 501, which is our most iconic item, and we're celebrating the 150th anniversary of the 501 this year, that was up 25% this quarter, comping 50% growth a year ago. So, you know, I, I kind of step back uh, the reaction to the stock and our earnings, and we can talk about gross margin and inventory and a couple of other things that I think did have an impact on, on the stock. But when I look at the Levi's brand, Jim, the future is really, really bright. This brand is very, very strong, arguably has never been stronger. Um, one other data point, our AURs, despite a very promotional environment, our AURs were up 3% this quarter. So, um, you know, the brand is really, really healthy. It's resonating. We're winning in the marketplace, building share, and growing in our own stores. All right, so let's, let's think about this. If, indeed, the second quarter guide was lower than people thought, 
but we go to the tale of two cities that you talk about, the second half being good, and you do have $680 million remaining in your current share of purchase. Why wouldn't you just go in and start buying the stock as soon as you're able to? I know that you've got a big debt load, but you could certainly just sop up the volume, so to speak, as if when I used to be a trader. Just say, just sop it up, Chip, because by second half, you will have bought a lot of stock and then you'll really be off the races. I'll, I'll quote you on that with the board here later in the next couple of days, Jim. Uh, uh, seriously, Harmeet and I were just talking about this. The stock really does represent a great value. I mean, we're, we're, you know, our, we, we do have uh, some debt. We did have to tap into our revolver this past quarter. Um, we do have an issue with inventory overhang right now. Our inventories are still 33% ahead of year ago. But we do have this tale of two cities. We are comping a, an incredibly strong first half, which makes the results, it kind of depresses the, the actual results. And the second half, we're up against much weaker results. And so I think a lot of people are looking at, the, at, at our forecast a little bit superficially without really digging in and understanding the comp periods that we're up against and the reasonableness of our forecast. And I will, uh, we'll go back and have another conversation about share buybacks. Well, well, Chip, sometimes I think, well, let's see, PVH has been tough. Ralph Lauren put up good numbers. Stock didn't go up that much. Uh, Under Armour's really been struggling. Even Nike's been stuck at this certain rut. And I'm wondering whether people just think, you know what, that apparel category is just too hard to invest in. I'm going to wait till there's some clear winners and losers and just stay away until then. Almost like a boycott of the sector, not of the individual stocks. There's no question the sector has been hammered since the fear of recession and the impact of inflation started. You know, the core Levi's consumer is a $50,000 income and up household. And that consumer is still demonstrating real resilience. And I think that's why when we take a look at our results in our own retail stores, our results are so strong. But there's there's no question that the, the entire sector has been hit pretty hard over the last year. Valuations have come down, multiples have come down across the board with, with all of the strong companies. You know, I keep coming back to let's take a look at the strength of the brand. The consumer is still there. Consumer is still buying. And our future is really, really bright. And the stock really is a great value at today's, at today's close. Well, let's look at it uh, in a more ethereal way. Michelle Goss is about to take over. She's going in her at a company that has already basically said, listen, the next quarter is not going to be that good, but look out. What's your advice to her about what happened today and whether this is a situation where that people think the company's troubled or they just don't understand the company? Well, she and I have been kind of joined at the hip for the last hundred days, and she's off to a great start, Jim, and I'm super optimistic as I told you before, she brings a different skill set than I do. You know, she has 30 years of retail experience, and she and I have been out in the markets over the last uh, three months and in a lot of stores, and she just has, you know, a different take of our business. Um, Like me, she has a ton of confidence in our future. She sees how the brand is resonating with the consumer. You know, you can't live and die with the stock move every single day. We run this business for the long term. We're continuing to invest. Our retail business delivers a really strong return on invested capital. We opened 25 new doors this last quarter, five mainline doors here in the U.S., and we're going to continue to invest 
in retail and invest in technology in our e-commerce business. And that's going to continue to drive revenue. So we're going to stick to our strategy. It is clearly um, working and we're going to continue to invest in growing this business profitably into the future. And you, what's your next move? We can talk about that in a few months, Jim. I have no idea. I'm, I'm still doing a job. I'm still doing a job full time, and I am all in right now. And uh, you know, Michelle and I are both really committed to making this transition being one that others want to role model. And uh, we're working together great. And she is going to be a great CEO. Um, there's no question about it. And. The minute she steps into the CEO chair will be the minute I first start thinking about what I'm going to do next. But the first thing I know I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break for a little while. All right. Well, good for you, Chip. Thank you for coming on. I am mystified why people would be so upset, given the fact that the brand is still the best brand in the entire industry. That hasn't changed at all. Maybe it's gotten better. I want to thank Chip Byrne, president and CEO of Levi Strauss. Chip, it's great to see you again, okay? Thank you, Jim. Great okay. to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Man, money back in. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dag time for the lightning round. Let's start with Joseph in New York. Joseph. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my of course, Joseph. Is, what's happening? Yeah, my stock is Freeport MacMoran. It's off of its highs. Is it a buy? No, I tell you, it's too risky. It's too sink or swim. I'm against the sink or swim names. I just think you got to go something more steady and it's got more secular growth. Let's go to Jim in New Jersey. Jim. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Jim? I just want to tell you something, brother. I've been watching you for 10 years. And uh, I am retired because of you. So if you ever question Ah. your validity and everybody else who's the talking heads, you do touch people and you change your lives. Okay, I wanted to Uh, tell you that. Thank okay, you, Jim. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I've been East at it for a long now. time. Thank you. So know, how do I help you right now? All right, so listen. Yes, we did. Yeah. I rode, uh, rode up the EV uh, craziness uh, a few years ago. So I bought a stock that was like $1.75, rode it to 65 sold a third of it, bought Tesla, got a good portfolio. Now, this particular stock named Neo has drifted back, but I got a lot of it. Do I stay long with it? Or do I lick my wings? I think you can hold it. You know, what, what's happening with some of these stocks in, in China is that the government runs them. They say, okay, listen, let's take that stock up. They did it in Japan, by the way, between 87 and 91. It was a very strange thing. I think the Chinese are doing that now. I want you to hold on to it for when the government runs it, and then you can sell. Let's go to Daniel in New York. Daniel. Hey, Jim. Quick Daniel. FYI, when I was in college, I sold kitchen knives door to door, and your wife was nice enough to buy a few knives from me. The Cutco, man, she still loves them. You know, we used them just last night. They are still sharp. I thank you for coming by. It's terrific stuff. Happy to hear that. So as it relates to the stock market, my observation is that men spend quite a bit of money to meet attractive women. And the match group is at all-time lows. So either the buy here around 36? 
I don't know. The quarter wasn't that good, but I like your concept of thinking of buying it cheap because there is a, a level of what I, I regard as being, I don't, I don't know, consistency once things got better after COVID. I think people got a little too excited about the stock. I would not sell the stock at 35. I think that could be a mistake, although I have to admit the numbers are not that great right now. And thank you again for the cut. That stuff's incredible. I mean, I, I also like the handle. The handle never gets, you can wash it a million times. Let's go to Wendy in Connecticut. Wendy. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Wendy. What's happening? Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut. All right. Beautiful up there. I've got a question for you on the stock. Burford, B-U-R. I've held it for a long time. Look, that thing had a spike. There's some craziness going on there. Sometimes you just have to say, I don't understand why that stock did what it did. I wish I did so I could be more helpful, but I can't be. I'm sorry. Let's go to Kevin in Idaho. Kevin. Professor Chill, I've been watching you for like 30 years. So it's a pleasure and an honor to finally speak with you, Jim. Only my mom has seen me longer. What's up? (laughs) Jim, I have some shares of a company that's paid me great dividends for many years, but I'm just sick watching the price drop and drop. Not sure that now is the time to sell and realize my losses. Jim, what the heck is the deal with Verizon? It's being crushed by T-Mobile. I mean, eviscerated. I mean, just amazing. What a beatdown. I do have to tell you that this is not the level to sell it. It's got a good yield, 6%. I do trust the deal. I do trust that yield. They have not demonstrated to me any real growth, and that is a shame. And they got to start doing that, or maybe we need a couple of changes. You know, we delivered, if you and I delivered those numbers, believe me, every day we've been looking, we've been waiting for pink slip. Let's go to Tim. I never saw it. I've hit, I've fired and I've been fired. Never once did I get it in pink. Let's go to Tim in Michigan. Tim. What was that? Yes, never. I'm calling Tim. about a company with no debt, impressive growth, providing a product that's demand and pricing are holding up and promised to, in the long term, grow with the well, transition. So far, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Vehicle. I'm liking what I'm hearing. What's trailing P.E. of 4.5, and yet the momentum is not good on this one. I took a little initial bite last week, and uh, at the risk of catching a falling knife, I got a little bit of a bleed. What say you about Encore Wire, W-I-R? Oh, it's a Cutco situation. Okay, look, Encore is cheap because it's a bit of a value trap. I'm not going to sell you to sell it here because it does have real earnings. But I have to tell you, it is exactly like my series that I did this week. Very hard to figure out a way to get that stock running. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Costco got it wrong. Can the stock pivot back to best of breed status? Stick with Kramer. While it's very difficult, it does happen. Look at Costco, a company we own shares for the Travel Trust. Last night, this best-in-show retailer reported a surprisingly weak month with hard goods coming in very disappointing, especially home furnishings. Lots of people blew out of the stock in response to that and sent the stock down 11 bucks. They figured Costco has the wrong merchandise and won't be able to see its way out of this misallocation of resources anytime soon. I think they're dead wrong. You see, Costco's a company that always tries to get the best possible goods in and charge the lowest prices. So you'll renew your membership card where the real money is. So I'm betting this problem will be cured in a couple of months, and you'll see a lot of soft goods with the big screen TVs and electronics that aren't selling that well used to be. Costco's too well run to take a beating for more than a couple of months, and it'll pivot to sell what people want, causing the same store sales to pick up. We've seen this story 
so many times before, and the sellers almost always end up kicking themselves. I have known Costco well as both a customer and a supplier. They will switch out and give customers what they really want, and don't put it past them to raise fees and then award you a special dividend, and that is worth hanging on to in itself. Not all management teams can do this, though. In fact, most executives seem to think you just have to ride it out, whatever ride it is, and take the hand that you've been given and wallow in it. They either don't believe it's important to do anything short-term, or they think that short-term is long-term, or they confuse the two. Maybe it's not even possible. But their version of short-term might be years. And in retail, unless you pivot away from the noxious items quickly or get them off your sheets to aggressive discounting, they will define you. The Gap, for example, has renovated a lot of Banana Republics. I think they look amazing, but that's the smallest division, won't move the needle. The flagship Gap brand continues to disappoint to no real avail. That's an existential situation going on there. I, I, I don't know how they adapt. Of course, it's not just retailers. For instance, the once mighty Medtronic no longer seems like it's in control of its own destiny. This used to be the dominant innovative medical technology company. Now I think big-time innovation actually eludes them. 3M! It keeps going down in dribs and drabs. Why? Because it's basically become a law firm on the defense against groundwater desecration and faulty earplug lawsuits, with the earplug cases hitting especially hard because the plaintiffs are veterans who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I have no idea how 3M gets out of this litigation, Jim, but I can tell you I don't see their case ending anytime soon. Maybe 3M can take a skew from J&J, compromise, major settlement, maybe, but let's just say maybe they don't have the money to do it. The food companies, they used to just sit there and take it. Now they're in constant reinvention mode. In particular, I like J.M. Smucker and Campbell's Soup. They're changing into more modern companies with a heavier snack component. And General Mills was the first of the major pantry places to fully embrace pet food. Big growth there. What Blue Buffalo. Still, we told investing club members to stick with Costco today because management knows it got those aisles wrong. They're not just sitting there saying, wow, what's going on? The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.